0: Welcome to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. Whether you're listening live on the community radio network or via podcast, here's the show where you learn from experts, be inspired by journeys and discover more about making your small business a success. I'm Alexi Boyd, broadcaster, advocate and small business owner. Let's meet today's guests. So apparently there's a fair amount of money flying around as a result of a pandemic and it's all up for grabs if you just know where to look. No matter which side of politics we fall under, we all have to agree that the Australian economy and the Australian government came into this COVID-induced recession in the best possible position, and small businesses should be at the front of procuring and receiving this investment. We are, after all, the engine room of the economy, the most innovative sector, and collectively the biggest employer. So how do you access, apply for, and eventually receive a piece of this pie? Of course, there are processes to follow, as with all things government, and these can be onerous because government and difficult for small businesses to understand joining us today on small biz matters this week is thomas Pollock from think learning who will give us top tips on making your business grant ready so you can confidently apply for that pool of government funding and actually grow your business welcome to the program thomas
1: thanks alexi it's uh, yeah it's great to be here and um yeah, you know, I'm a big fan of yours. And I love what you do for small business, so it's it's really good to be here this morning.
0: Thank you. And look, you know, um, everybody is a piece of the pie, and it's a very big, big piece of big jigsaw of, of small businesses out there. And and you certainly play a really important role because my understanding is that you're you're an author, um, and you've been doing this for a number of years, and really are the expert when it comes to helping to businesses to understand. How to access this money? Because it's not as just as simple as putting your hand up and saying, look, I'm a small business, therefore I'm entitled to this, therefore I can do the job and I should get the money. It's never that simple, is it? How does small business even begin to understand the process of accessing that government grant funding?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, Firstly, I mean, the hardest thing that um, most, a lot of small businesses have in the beginning is, Is not having any experience or real understanding behind them as to as to how to to win government contracts or the best ways to win government contracts and and honestly it's like i've got a few young boys and as i try and teach them it's it's you need to start somewhere and um making actually making that decision to 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 target government as a revenue stream that's essentially the first step Uh, i mean everyone makes mistakes and and certainly, I made plenty of them when I first started um, targeting government revenue streams. But, but I realised pretty quickly that uh, if I could tap in and 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 open up some of them, it was going to be extremely beneficial to uh, to our business at that stage. So uh, that that first step is really making the commitment uh, and following it through. That's 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 so so important for small business.
0: And is it because um, we recognise that? Government has almost endless supply of funding and money, and that we should be applying for it. Or is it, uh, in your mind, a legitimate? There's a reason why small business should be going for these, this money because they can provide the same level of services as the big boys in the corporates.
1: Yeah, absolutely. A combination of, of that, and then and, and then a few more things as well. Um, you know, there is there is a lot of government. Um, I won't say funding available. Um, I'll say. There's government services and, and, and services that to this day, I mean, I, I watch them every week as to as to what 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 problems I guess are coming out from government and what they need the private sector to uh, to solve for them in the form of contracts and tenders and and whatnot. And there are uh, there is a, a lot of um, a lot of ways that small businesses essentially can diversify their business. I mean, it's pandemics a great example. So many businesses. Um, were immediately hit. Um, the businesses that that have uh, that have already opened doors with government were in a or are were and are in a far better situation because they've diversified into the government and private sector. So, well, while one tap may sort of turn off a little bit, um, you'll find that a lot of times during things, situations like the pandemic, the government's probably one of the only sectors which actually increases their spend. Uh, and in, and in, and increases it a great deal, which we've seen over the last 12 months. So, uh, you know, I believe that that um, more small businesses that have uh, have begun or have opened up government revenue streams that that strengthen. They're a lot more resilient because they, you know, they're playing both in that private and that public sector, which um, which certainly helps them get through these these tougher periods.
0: Yeah, indeed, because we're always taught about niching and and um specifically looking at a particular target market for our business. But in this case, sometimes it's a good idea to keep your eyes open for the opportunity with government as well as the private sector. So you've um, you've written your book and tell us a little bit about your book and if you want to share with us a couple of secrets about, you know, those first tentative steps that a small business might take into acquiring a government contract. What are some of the, the do's and don'ts? Um, the do's
1: and don'ts. Well, firstly, there's a... There's an interesting stat that I came across uh, probably 12 months ago, which, um, which which was quite alarming. And the fact is, see, uh, around 60% of all submissions, that are actually made to government, uh, what they call non-conforming. So when government contracts and, and, and work on grants become available, normally they'll ask for a number of things uh, that need to be, like, the formatting of the submission, for example, is one is one simple example. So they basically say, look, if you're going to submit for this contract or this piece of work, this is the format that we want it in. Um, as simple as not using the exact format the government are asking for, they won't even read the submission. Um, so those 60% is a huge number. So the small businesses that even take the time, and it is a huge amount of time to get that first submission together, they put in all the work, they put in all the effort, they provide everything they can. If they simply don't use the exact format the government um, the government has requested, then that submission, more often than not, won't even get read.
0: So with these, that, with these options, you've basically got um, the grant is put out there, or sorry, not the grant, the funding is put out there or the opportunity is out there, and you're accompanying with that is a template that you should be using. And what you're suggesting is that people just simply don't use that template. Now, the government's not only making it easy for you to complete it, but they also need you to complete that so that you're, uh, I guess, on a level playing field with everyone else. And they're, otherwise, they're just not even going to bother to look.
1: You're absolutely right. They need to. I mean, they need to compare the easy, the best way for them to compare submissions from different businesses is to have that exact same format. Now, that's not the only. It allows them to sort of assess and grade the the, the submissions. Now, that's not the only reason um, companies are uh, you know, that that 60% figure of, of non-comforming. Um, it could be as simple as missing a question, or looking at a question and saying, "Oh, look, I think I've answered that above, so I'm just going to put C above," oh. uh, not answering that question. You're non-conforming, and that that 60% figure. I mean, when I first came across that, it, 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 it not just alarmed me; it, it it frightened me because you know the small businesses that take that step into the government field, um, many, many, many of them are uh, are not even having their submissions read because they haven't conformed to the to the tender requirements or the contract requirements initially, and and uh, if we can get that figure down, if we can get that non-conforming figure down to say twenty or thirty percent, we'll see a lot more small businesses um, supplying government and uh, and diversifying their businesses and strengthening them.
0: In your opinion, do you think the government is making it as fair as possible because they're creating this scaffolding on which you can answer the grant questions?
1: Look now, uh, it's 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 even more fair. if That's a if that's a, the right phrase for small business, the amount, of, the amount of incentives on offer to support small businesses in their government submissions, um, I mean, there's a, there are a number of different ways that, that small businesses can get um, you know, 15 to 20% of the, the criteria assessed and, 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 and rewarded to them before their submission is even read. There's a little box, right, on, a, on, on, on most um, government documents that says, are you a small business? Tick this box. If you tick that box, then you immediately receive somewhere between five and ten percent on most government contracts when they're assessing it. So, I, mean, I know a lot of the small businesses, and in the beginning, I made the same mistake where I said oh, I didn't. I didn't want government to think I was a small business, so I didn't tick that box. <laughs> if I didn't tick it. I was uh, I was losing out there, it's something that now there's even more incentives in place with you know with the, the, the situation is with, with COVID. Um, and there are a number of ways that small businesses can you know, that, that level field. Government's trying to level that playing field for small business, and and now is you know, I believe emphatically now is uh, is the most opportune time for small businesses to um, to not just consider government revenue, but to really target it and um, and win it.
0: So that's um that's that's a really important point. Is that it's now now is a great opportunity to also almost go out there, but it it does take a lot of time. Um, I guess, completing the process according to the template they give, making sure you meet all the criteria, make sure that the the value of your time is there. But say, for example, you are knocked back. In your experience, is it a good idea to ask why and to get that feedback afterwards? Are they forthcoming with that information?
1: Yeah, without a doubt. And, um, well, I guess the the, the, the diplomatic way to answer that question is yes. Don't be diplomatic. Uh, avenues in place for small businesses to get um, what what they call a debrief and um, I I found out about the debriefs many years ago but I always thought look if I turn up to these I've lost out in the business I was a bit upset I'm just going to get some stock standard response from government but um, those debriefs are key and 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 I'll emphasize that not just if you lose but if you win it's as important to go to those debriefs Uh, if you've lost to find out what the areas that you perhaps you were you fell down in and areas that you can improve but once you win um, a piece of business as well is to again demand a debrief with government and find out what they like um and uh, obviously you can you can use those in in future submissions because um i very rarely have i seen any business win first first time that they've um they've submitted for for government work but um each time that they've um, you receive feedback from from those debriefs, then your future submissions get more refined and and a lot more targeted to what um, to what government's looking for. So those debriefs are absolutely key. Not many people actually uh, use that that um, that outlet or that that communication channel, that feedback channel from government. But it's one of the big, it's one of the top three for me, is um, from my experience, and that is get to the debrief, find out what you've done. And before you go to the debrief, one key, key thing, don't just go into the debrief um, with a few notes on a bit of paper. Send government your questions or send that contact, whoever you're meeting with, your questions that you want answered before you go to the debrief. And Give them a week or two to get the answers to those, and that way, when you get to the debrief, there'll be a lot more meaningful feedback for them.
0: That's really smart. I like that idea a lot. Just prepare them for them for them to be able to get them for you to be able to get the most out of it. If you've just joined us here, we're speaking with Thomas Pollock, who is the author of "Winning Government Business: The Six Rules and Nine Absolutes for Small Medium Business to Win Government Contracts." Now, um, it's it's an important part of um, I guess a business process as you grow and you get those those government contracts because they can be a real injection of funds into your business. I want to ask you about the difference between dealing with state, local or federal level of government. Is it largely the same? Is the process kind of the same? Or are there different tactics you need to use for each?
1: Look, 90 to 95% is is you know, replicated across each level of government. Um, you know, the key thing is, you know, when you're looking at I guess the boundaries of what, what work you're, you're submitting for. So if I was looking at a local government tender for a particular council in, in um, you know, whatever region, then I would certainly be emphasising the value that my proposal, my submission brings to that local community. Um, and that's, you know, the surrounding you know, 100, 200 kilometres from you know, around that piece of business or, that, or, or my business. And again, when you step up to state, exactly the same thing. So I'm here from Queensland, if I was... If I was applying for a Queensland state government work, I'd be certainly emphasising the value that my solution brings to uh, to the state of Queensland as well by lowering unemployment and and value and, uh, adds that I bring in. So that's that's probably one of the. I mean, each each government sector has its own sort of quirks, I guess. You could you could, for want of a better word, um, but largely the you know your um, the language and the response is is similar across um, across those three levels of state and federal.
0: But I like the way that you need to um, fundamentally mention the fact, particularly I think at local government where you're saying, okay, well, if I if I provide uh, the local government with, with this service or this criteria then i'm going to be meeting other criteria that they like which is perhaps of an environmental standpoint or perhaps employment or keeping people living and working closer to home in their in their lga Um, you're listening to triple h 100.1 fm i'm going to take a quick break here on radio and when we come back after the break we're speaking with thomas pollock i want to speak with him about the concept of government iq and how you can improve that in your business you're listening to triple h 100.1 fm we'll be back after this this episode of Small Biz Matters is proudly sponsored by the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman's Office. Led by Kate Carnell since its establishment only four years ago, Aspifio has provided education, advocacy and support, including free assistance if a small business is involved in a dispute. The office also provides assistance for disputes that fall under the franchising, dairy, horticultural, and oil industry codes. Kate Carnell, as an independent advocate for small business owners, has the legislative power to influence our nation's lawmakers, ensuring legislation and regulations are put in place to help small businesses grow and in these times, survive. Small businesses are the engine room of the economy and it's Aspifio's role to do all they can to ensure they have the freedom to innovate, employ and thrive well into the future. So, Thomas Pollock is an author and an expert on government grants and funding and how small business can access that pot of golden money. And just before the break, we were speaking a little bit about the differences between the different levels of government. But, Thomas, I want to speak to you now about this concept of government IQ. It is different when a small business communicates with, business, with, with government as opposed to private enterprise. What's fundamentally the difference and why do we need to improve our government IQ?
1: Look, the the government IQ piece is key for a small business, um, mainly for a number of different reasons, but big business does this very well. They know the key people within government. Um, A lot of the time they've got teams specialised in procurement. They've got many resources that that small businesses most often don't have access to. Um, But government IQ is something that that small businesses can certainly um, start to develop. And uh, simply by, by understanding who are their local government representatives, um, start going to a few... Go- not, I'm not saying spend onerous amounts of time on this. I'm saying pick a couple of government events or networking events where government are involved and, and start talking to government, meeting them, letting them know who you are and, and, what, they, and, and what you do uh, finding out about projects that are coming up, uh, things that are relevant to, to whatever level of government you're, um, you're you're looking at at the moment, um, and finding... And you never know as well. Like there, were, there were a few times where I went to... I thought the, those events early on in my, my sort of government career were um, you know, perhaps not the greatest spend of my time, but I got dragged along to a couple and a few of the people that I met with in government um, were able to certainly assist me with some, uh, some submissions. Oh, around about 12 months later, but um, those contacts that you can make in those events, and you, as you start to understand government, how they operate, and what they're looking for, and what problems they've got, uh, that can really become very helpful for uh, for small businesses and help them uh, set themselves apart from others when they're uh, they're submitting for business. So that the government IQ piece, it's, it's it is it is important. It's certainly not something that um, that I that, that I would recommend. You know, small businesses spend heaps and heaps of time on uh, but they certainly do need to start increasing that government IQ and, um, and it will help them uh, with future submissions to government.
0: I guess particularly if you're working in a, a sector, a particular industry such as pharmaceutical or if you're in fintech or you're in you know, retail, understanding what's going on through your professional association can also be really helpful and getting to know people who are really well connected within your association, they can sometimes help guide you because although you might not be the only person in your industry in that particular area, having that savviness and that understanding of what going on, what's going on does, does set you apart as well. So I think that that's... Um, I hadn't thought of government IQ. I thought when you were going to say government IQ, you meant understanding how to fill out these forms, not necessarily yeah. having that relationship with the right people. And that that does take time. You're absolutely right.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and that, those events that we're talking about as well, I mean, I... I speak a lot i mean I, when I speak to to small business groups and associations and about you know the value of partnerships and, and big business does it really really well you know you think of um uh, was it woolies with their ushi uh, woolies and disney with their ushi promotion recently that my kids went crazy for um big business if you look around do these partnerships well small businesses quite frankly we don't do those partnerships anywhere near as well but and those events can allow small businesses, because they're all attended by many, many other small businesses, and, and I encourage small businesses to look around at, at businesses, other small businesses that complement their business, that they can build uh, even an informal partnership with, so that when government um, work comes up, um, they call these collaboratives where a bunch of small businesses will come together uh, and strengthen and actually provide a much more succinct or a much more clear solution to government. Uh, and it's uh, very, very appealing for government to look at those collaborative solutions because they're supporting many small businesses quite often in several different local communities as well. So, uh, yeah, those networking events, and, you know, they're all attended by other small businesses and they're, they're, there's uh, many other benefits that can come out of them.
0: Is that one of the benefits of collaborating is because you're making a life easier for government? I mean, ultimately, if you present a package where you say, you know, all these boxes that you want ticked, and you need to achieve all of these different parts, and we're coming to you with one solution. Is that going to make their eyes light up because you've made it easier for them in the process?
1: Yeah, making things easy for government is certainly appealing. Um, There's small businesses, by by setting up those collaborations, and and these don't take a a great deal of work, Um, but by, by putting together half a dozen small businesses and they present a solution to government, what you'll find is when they're when they're assessed by government as to, as to how capable they're going to be, well, firstly, they'll be more capable because they can provide a much more succinct solution to government, even though that collaboratives are quite often more expensive because the smaller businesses don't have that, you know, that large buying power of big business. However, because they are the nature of the small businesses, government does realise the trickle-down effects by awarding small business contracts how the local communities benefit from that as well. There's, there's much more of that uh, revenue that stays within local communities and government does realise that and they factor that into their assessment. So even though a small business collaborative might be more expensive, and I hear that a bit from small businesses saying, hey, hey, we can't compete on price, well, that might be the case. However, there are many other benefits to the local communities which big business doesn't necessarily provide as, uh, as well as, as what those small businesses do.
0: Now, just to wrap up today, I wanted to ask you about what are the main things that small business tends to fail on? When I think about applying for big contracts, it's generally because they don't meet the criteria financially. That's what my understanding is. Am I right in thinking that, or are there other factors that small business tends to fall down on where they don't meet the criteria to get the job?
1: Yeah, look, the it's um, a good question. There's the, the, Fundamentally, the where most, where a lot of small businesses are falling, I mean, it's it's a number of different factors and it can be any number of things. And price certainly does come into it a bit. Um, but quite often, you know, what, we've, what we're what we finding is a lot of small businesses actually don't know. What's preventing them from actually bidding for government work is they, they don't know whether they're in a real position to actually, or their business is in a position to actually bid for and fulfil government contracts. And that's, that to me, and from everyone I've talked to, you know, over many, many years, um, is not having that understanding of, look, are we ready? And if, we, if we're if we not ready, what areas of our business do we need to tighten up before government are actually going to look at us seriously? Um, so that that real that first step of understanding, what are our strengths, what are our weaknesses and in relation to government business, um, tightening up those areas, which for a lot of businesses, that's the thing, there's many small businesses out there today, thousands within Australia, who are certainly already capable of fulfilling government contracts and winning government business, they actually don't know it. They just don't know it themselves yet. And um,
0: so having that self awareness is, is a is a good is a good starting point because if you think that you can... Well, when you know that you can fulfil those contracts and you can achieve what needs to be done, then you just go for it and the rest of it is just filling out the forms. Uh, Thomas, we've come up right against the top of the hour. It's been incredibly informative. Thank you so much for joining us on Small Biz Matters today. Now, where can people find out more about your book and what it is that you do?
1: Yeah, uh, thank you th- and thanks again for having me. It's been great. Um, think learning, think with the Q's, so t-h-i-n-q-learning.com.au. Um, or reach out to me direct, which is thomas at thinklearning.com.au. Happy to uh, to hear from any of your uh, your listeners, and I'll uh, be happy to help.
0: Fantastic! Thank you so much, and make sure you check out his book as well. Uh, Think Le- uh, sorry, Thomas Pollock, the Winning Government Business Six Rules and Nine Absolutes for Small to Medium Business. Thanks again for joining us, Thomas. Thanks, Alexi. This week's episode was proudly broadcast from Triple H Studios in Sydney, Australia, and sponsored by the Office of the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman. If you've enjoyed listening, go ahead and give us some thank you stars on your podcasting platform. It would be much appreciated. Then head to the Small Biz Matters website, where you can listen to over 170 episodes, read more about our speakers, and find out how to become a media partner. See you all next time.